Hey, everybody. Welcome to Healthy Discourse. I'm really excited today to invite back Dr. Nicole Craven to the show. Hey, Dr. Nicole. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I hope you are. And I know I probably am echoey today. I am recording from my parents' house in Western Maryland as we're trying to soak up summer. So um, I'm in the quietest place I can find around here and it's a little echoey, but hopefully it will sound okay. Um, I'm really excited about today because we're going to talk about a very prevalent topic. And I think that I've probably talked about this with parents more than anything else in the last several months, actually probably more than that, the entire last school year um, and even before that too. And that is specifically anxiety in kids along with depression that can often go alongside that. And I don't think that any of us are questioning that those numbers are skyrocketing for lots of reasons. And I think that, you know, during the pandemic, one of the things that we've greatly ignored, and this is my opinion, in the name of, quote, keeping everyone healthy is the mental health of our children. And they've often suffered by these lockdowns and lack of school and lack of socialization socialization, and having to wear masks everywhere and all these things that have just been never a normal part of childhood before that we're dealing with now. And certainly that's not the only thing that's contributing to increased anxiety and depression, but I think it's a major, major, um, personally, I think it's a major influence and, um, we certainly cannot control all of the things that are happening around us all the time. And, um, so today we're going to dig into some of the root causes of anxiety, why these numbers are increasing outside of just what I mentioned. And with that as well, and kind of, um, if we have time today, we're going to dig into some of the potential um, helpful treatments for anxiety and give people some tools in their toolbox. We'll see how far we get. We might have to do that in another episode, but we'll see. So talk to us, Dr. Nicole, about the increase recently in recent years of anxiety and depression in kids. So it's such a big topic because there has been an increase and even pre-COVID. So you can imagine when we had this acute stressor on the entire world, it only worsened right away and mm -hmm. has continued to climb actually. But right now, at least one in four teens and preteens have been um, diagnosed. So this means they've been seen in the office and diagnosed with a either a depressed mood or anxiety or some other mood disorder mm. so that's the ones and, that have sought help so of course we know that especially from recent research that a lot of people are at home undiagnosed and afraid to ask for help right right and I think that's something we're seeing more and more. I know I've got many friends and, and I, I will say I feel fortunate that my kids are as young as they are during this time because I feel like they've been able to live their lives mostly unscathed. We we were able to go to school in person all last year and um, you know their lives haven't changed a whole lot. But I think a lot of kids that are preteens and teenagers, I've got many friends that are excellent parents whose kids are struggling significantly with anxiety, depression, you know, isolating themselves and these kinds of things. And it's just heartbreaking because I know these kids and it's not their 
natural inclination. And it's just, it's really difficult um, just to grasp. Um, so let's just dig into, I think that we all know, I mean, in, in the numbers for even, sorry, I'll go backward, but you, you mentioned in some of the things that you sent me that one in six kids in the United States age, ages two to eight. So this is little kids, right? Little the, kids. That, 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 is, that stat is so daunting. It's one in six U.S. children. Uh-huh. Two to eight have been diagnosed with a mental, behavioral, or developmental disorder at this point. Right. It's so, so overwhelming to, to think about. Um, and, you know, and I think the older that kids get, it can be dip more and more difficult to for them to reach out for help. And um, a lot of times the way that these, um, you know, anxiety and depression present can look kind of like acting out when really there's a, a root cause underneath it there or acting out or isolating, right? And it can be more difficult for us as parents to Absolutely. begin to understand and, and help. Go ahead. I think um, it's important that it's overwhelming to think about, but it's also important to point out to parents that the kids feel overwhelmed. The parents that have kids that are going through this and they're not sure what to do about it. The kids mm-hmm. are also feeling anxious and overwhelmed and they're feeling anxious and overwhelmed. So it's super important that they they get help from anyone, you know, anyone that is willing to listen. Of course, that includes um, your doctor if you have one. Right. Let's talk about, you know, we just talked about in detail kind of the the acute stressors that we've we've all experienced over the last 18 months or so that I would argue, again, would more more negatively affect kids than probably anyone else. But let's talk about some of the other reasons why we've seen an increase in anxiety even prior to the pandemic and even as we're, you know, hopefully moving out of it. Um Tell me just why are we seeing like, okay, so let me just back up. When I was a kid, I don't think we ever, I ever heard the word anxiety, or if we would say someone was anxious, it was not really related to the actual medical diagnosis of anxiety. So yeah, let's talk about situational, right? So we've all right. experienced that where mm-hmm. like you're in a certain situation and you feel anxious, but it's interesting now because it's occurring so much that kids that young will say, I have anxiety, like that they'll go to their parents and say, I have anxiety. And I think that's much different. That's something that you have to listen to if they're experiencing, you know, excessive fear and excessive worry on a regular basis, not just, oh, I feel fear a spider Mm -hmm. because I watched, you know, a horror film with a a gigantic (laughs) spider in it, but more like this is affecting their lifestyle. So, um, you know, I think there are so many reasons and that if you combine all the reasons together, it, it just makes us understand why there is anxiety and depression everywhere because it's multifactorial, right? And we have stressors currently coming in from almost every area of our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And of course, the very first one that I have to point out is our increase on the in the digital exposures like Uh, all the screen time and it's not just that the screen time itself so six hours of you know looking at a phone or youtube or you know who knows what you're using for to get to these various 
um, ways of entertaining yourself. Um, it's also because during those six hours were the times we were doing all the things that were natural to us, that were part of our natural rhythm and that would make the human body thrive in this world around us, right? So, mm -hmm. and that includes the sun exposure on your skin because that's a direct detox. It's one of the best detoxes that you can do. You know, right. if, 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 if someone's going through, oh, maybe I have a Delta strain, like the first thing is like, go put the sun on your skin, like put the right. vitamin D on your skin, right? And that's not happening. It's funny because the kids um, come to me in the middle of the summer and they're pale. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Right. Have you been outside? And um, and then the with the increased screen time, it's also that um, you're not outside in the actual energetic field of nature because really, truthfully, the digital world, it, the, it's starting to be proven that the cells are at a higher frequency. So they're like vibrating at a higher frequency and they don't communicate as well. Mm. So when you go outside, it, it actually gets cellular communication to function better. Right. So tip number one, send kids outside, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's my greatest parenting tip on all things. Any like that's my answer to everything. Send them outside. <laughs> it's so funny because the more podcasts we do, like I think we will we would have to like we need to to take a tab and see. But I think every topic or the treatments are going to include get your kid outside with some right. And, well, um, mine are outside now. They've been shirtless for months now. I don't know what they're going to do when school starts next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we're going to get here, but like the second is always look at the gut, look at the cut. Right. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, we have dysbiosis now from, um, and what that means is like, maybe we're supposed to have a ton of really good for you, healthy bacteria, like billions and billions and billions of bacteria and yeast and parasites even and viruses that are all inside of us, inside of our gut from our mouth all the way to where the poop comes out. And it has all this DNA and the DNA is very important that it's, it's, um, that when we start killing off all the good bacteria and the bad bacteria starts to populate, they mm -hmm. put off toxins from their DNA, right? They put off toxins into the gut and it causes inflammation of the gut. Okay. So what, what happens when you have inflammation of the gut? Well, 90% of serotonin, which is that feel-good hormone that everybody knows about because of the Pro Prozac being famous. Right. Um, so that's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, meaning it helps, that medicine helps you to keep serotonin around longer. So you feel calm and you feel relaxed. So that's a very important neurotransmitter that we make, and 90% of it's made in the gut. So if we aren't making it in the gut, then we're less likely to have that feel-good hormone around. Right. And then if our gut is inflamed, we're less likely to absorb it and utilize it. So, mm -hmm. so it's a little tough. And that's just an example. You know, we have all the other neurotransmitters too. And then right. we have all these other environmental toxins that we're ingesting, let's say Roundup. That's the really big one, of course. We know Roundup's cancerous, but there's, it's on 75% of our crops or more. So it's like it, we're ingesting this really, really bad for you chemical. And that makes the bad bacteria and yeast thrive. 
so it contributes to the whole entire picture. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I would say on top of that, something that I know we've been fighting a lot lately is things like um, food dyes and all of the um, MSG in our food. You and I have talked yeah, about that with one of my kids. All the unknown preservatives that are in funny names like natural flavors and mm -hmm. uh, and um, polysorbate or like MSG. There's like 40 hidden forms of MSG or more. And, right. And some you had no idea because it's like protein isolate or something. Right. 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 And it looks good, right? It's like, oh, it's protein. Nope, not so no, much. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we talked about it has like a name that you just don't can't figure out its natural mm -hmm. origin. It's probably not good. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, we talked about screen time earlier, but I think especially with preteens and teens, this whole idea of social media and the constant comparison trap and, you know, how many likes am I going to get? And Oh, somebody commented this. And it's kind of this, um, we've taken this to a brand new level. And I mean, it, adults are guilty too, but with kids, we can't, we really can't, their brains are not developed enough to really be able to, um, differentiate between right. the digital platform and reality right and so um right. that so, is a huge stressor as well absolutely so if you think about it the the way to understand that is that it's it's a false portrayal of life it's glamorized because you're only putting up you know the fun things you did the things that that you think will get someone else's attention and they're usually all the positive aspects of you, like your fun trips and the pictures that look the best and the perfect lighting mm -hmm. on your skin. And you know, most people, I think some people are doing the opposite just to make a point. But mm -hmm. you know, we even have the touch-ups on our on our social media pictures and stuff. It's so it leads to the kids feeling like they are not good enough because that's not what real life is, right? Right. Inside, they're subconsciously telling themselves without knowing, like, I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm scared to make a mistake. Because if you look at all of these, you know, portrayals, most people are not showing their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then there's the aspect that it's not true communication. So you don't mm -hmm. get to see what the person is trying to portray by their facial expression and their hands and everything. You know, it's funny because I'm just... I'm sitting here talking to you, but I'm, I, I know that my hands have been moving this entire time, right? Right. Yeah. I I talk I'm smiling, sometimes I'm smirking and other times I'm thinking with a frowl on my face. And like, th mm -hmm. those are all parts of pure, true communication that the, any sort of social media app's not going to give you. Mm -hmm. And so it yeah. leads to making you think that you have to be on and perfect all the time. Right, right. And, and that's a really, and we already put so many stressors on our kids with the expectations of the sports and the schools and the hobbies and getting into college. And, you know, there's so many already. And then we right. add that. And then the, the last point I know we have is to social anxiety and a lack of social training. And I think that's so prevalent. And, you know, um, we've talked about this. I had Dr. Ravana on recently talking about masking our kids and that kind of thing. And most of it I talked to him about was 
how masks don't work. But I think that the other important thing that we need to understand that's so often ignored is, and this is just one aspect of that, but that when kids aren't being able to see each other's faces and there's this abnormal thing, and as a parent, I mean, I'll just say, it just doesn't feel right putting a mask on my three-year-old, my five-year-old, even my almost nine-year-old. Like there's just something about it. that's like, this is inhibiting a really important part of their socialization and their growth as kids. And, you know, here we are um, putting masks on our two-year-olds on a regular basis when they're trying to learn how to talk or their teachers are masked. And it's like, I just can't even fathom what the long-term consequences of that are going to be. And, you know, arguing whether or not masks work is a whole other thing. But this is something I think we've largely ignored is, again, we're sacrificing our kids' social and emotional development in the name of, quote, safety. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> the, the face is so expressive. Mm-hmm. It's so expressive. And what happens is we we have to be face-to-face and be in social situations a lot throughout our lives in order to have a social training experience. It, re- it really is training yourself to understand how to be appropriately social, to understand the social cues that are really subconscious throughout life, understanding mm-hmm. how to make, make mistakes. Because when there are people right in front of you and you're hanging out, like you don't have time to think for five minutes about what you want to say back on a text, right? right? you make mistakes and then you go through those mistakes with the person in front of you and you learn these communication skills that are just vital and it it is proven that our excellent leaders and successful professionals are usually very good at communicating they have good communication skills and um and it and it's a trait that i think maybe i mean it's sad but should even be a school class, like learning how to communicate more appropriately or mm-hmm. what, or even like the need for why it's so important. But it's funny because you say the mask and, you know, you put a mask on more than half of your face. Right. And I went to the doctor myself the other day and I took the mask off so that they could look, look at my, you know, do the exam. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's what you look like. And right. That, that is so true. Right. Yes, I, I I had seen someone only with a mask on that was like I had met them that way in a in a um, in a you know kind of corporate setting where everyone's wearing masks all the time. And then I when I commented to her when she wasn't wearing her mask, and she commented back to me. She's she, I was like, "You are so beautiful." <laughs> she's like, "Oh my goodness, I was about to say the same thing to you. I've never seen your whole face until now." And it's like. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? This is so sad. But anyway, so let's talk about, um, you know, I think we, there's there's a physical problem, right? And then also kind of a mental problem. Let's talk about how both of those are affected when it comes to addressing anxiety and depression. Yeah, because what we do, you know, in the office is we always get to the root cause, right? So mm-hmm. the question is, did it start? at the mental level did it start in the brain or did it start at the physical level in the body right Mm -hmm. you can't ever answer that because they're so intricately connected that 
they if it did if it did start let's say you have um a really hard childhood and you had acute stress causing even maybe even post-traumatic stress trauma right to mm -hmm. continue to be part of your life well we know that's going to be the root cause but if you're continuing to feel stressed over and over again throughout life because you've already experienced that and you're using those aspects of your brain and you're not making other neurotransmitters well eventually that's going to affect your body right because you're right so so that so directly if you're stressed out we know that we have physical symptoms so we right away have physical symptoms like maybe run to the bathroom or your heart rate is going to increase or your blood pressure increases and on and on and on, right? And we feel those. So that's the proof that it's connected. But also in the other way is that is just as important that all the things that our body's doing affects what our brain does. Right. So, just like the example of the serotonin being made in the gut if you're not making that serotonin and you're not continually churning it out and bringing it to your brain to nourish it then you're not going to feel good you know you're not you're not going to feel happy mm -hmm. so right. a lot of our problem i think is currently very physical which is empowering because you know if we know the physical body is under such duress and we treat the physical body in order to make to make the neurotransmitters and feel good that's pretty incredible that we're able to do that right right well let's talk about that um let's go ahead and dig into some of the of the treatment so you know if if, if a child or a parent a parent and a child come to you and anxiety and or depression are are suspected and or diagnosed. Talk to us about some of the processes that you might go through to try to figure out some of the root causes. You know, outside of that, um, that um, that experiential trigger per se, kind of like the, the the childhood trauma or whatever. So that happens with many kids, obviously. But when you're looking at what's happening in the brain and the body, talk to us about kind of how your process might work. Okay, so we look at all of the different reasons why maybe the neurotransmitters are off balance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, nutritional deficiencies, of course, is going to be a really big one because our soil doesn't have any minerals in it, or many, you know, many minerals in it, and the food doesn't have as many mineral or minerals or vitamins in it as well. Those certain cofactors like B6, B12, iron, those are directly associated with depression and anxiety, mood disorders. Mm -hmm. B6 is a very, very calming vitamin that you right. can take at night to sleep better. And it's because it helps your neurotransmitters function better. Then mm -hmm. there's the healthy fats, like the fat deficiency of our diet, because we eat a lot of carbs and sugars. Mm -hmm. And really, the brain's made up of seventy percent fat, so we want to bathe that brain with fat and right. island sheath around each neuron. It all needs a lot of healthy fats, and omegas are are kind of harder to get into your diet unless you really like fish. So, mm -hmm. so we often will give um, you know fish oils or try to focus on having overall a high healthy fat diet as opposed to processed carbs. Right. 
And that helps you actually absorb your minerals and your vitamins even better. Mm-hmm. And then there's the lack of protein in the diet and the amino acids are, are you know, the building blocks of DNA and neurotransmitters. So you have to have a lot of very good, healthy sources of protein in the diet. So that that's nutritional deficiencies. That's one thing we commonly treat. And, and, you know, I help people like, how are you going to get the right types of proteins? You know, is it a protein powder? Is it a, a, a reg- coming from a regenerative animal? Um, how much and what types of vitamins do you need? We can test in the office if you have deficiencies to begin with and replace them with like medical grade high levels that are appropriate. And you mentioned B6. And you know, what's interesting is one of the products that we make at Raise Them Well, our Mag Focus um, is really made for kids who, who struggle with focus. But what a lot of parents have told us is that it's really helped their children with their anxiety, because it is this perfect combination. It's a research combination of B6 and magnesium. Um, and it's a lot of B6, but it, it seems to really help um, calm kids down, calm the brain. And uh, we, it's very fascinating to me that, you know, parents will start to give it to their kids for focus at school and that kind of thing. And then they talk to me about how it's really helped with their anxiety as well, which is just really neat to me. It always makes me smile to get those that positive feedback. <laughs> right. And that's a great example of how the root cause can be very physical. Mm-hmm. It, my kid's anxious and then oh my kid actually just had a b6 and magnesium deficiency right exactly exactly so what else do you look for so we talked about nutrient and um deficiency and mineral deficiency what about infections talk about that yeah so we had infections from everywhere and sometimes these infections can directly alter our mood but so different viruses different like so tick-borne illnesses Lyme and this is for chronic inflammation so all of these all of these infections can cause chronic inflammation in the body that eventually will alter your neurotransmitters and stress so um there's a condition where strep causes a an autoimmune inflammation in the brain called pandas mm-hmm yeah it's like your child went from this really, really happy kid, just, just, you know, very motivated, happy, joyous, naturally joyous child to gets a strep infection and starts to have OCD, like, like diagnosable OCD or something. So it's amazing that just, you know, one strep infection can change and alter the chemistry of the brain that much. But so we look for, we have to, we want to know if there's an underlying infection that's triggering it. Right. How about toxins? How do you look for toxins? What do you look for? I should say. Number one right now, oh my gosh, I'm just on this crazy bandwagon about Roundup. <laughs> right. Bad stuff. Oh I know. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. So, so I look for pesticides. There are toxin tests that you can get and they're great because they're just like a simple urine test. And mm-hmm. it'll it'll test whatever that your toxic load is to all the plastics and the flame retardants and all the various types of pesticides. And then we also have mold, mold toxins. They are, um, you know, prevalent in a lot of homes. 
Mm -hmm. Me moving from Florida, I think it was even more prevalent in Florida, but we see mold toxins a lot with damaged, um, water damaged schools Mm -hmm. and um, houses and houses with basements and such. And um, so that's a direct toxin to the body. Right. And um, then there are the heavy metals that we get from our environment. Yeah. So we can look in, we, we can test all of those actually. Let's talk about um, the the gut and and some of the just quickly just a couple of things that you would look for when it comes to anxiety and depression depression for what's happening in the gut. Um, right. Some of the basic testing you would do. So typically, you will see dysbiosis, which just means there's an imbalance of the bacteria and yeast and other living organisms inside of the gut. And you can test for it just by testing the poop and looking at everything. You know, is there a pathogenic parasite? Is there overgrowth of bad bacteria? Is there just a lot of yeast? You know, kids will be very yeasty. And signs of that early in life are really bad diaper rashes and cradle cap. And, but then later in life, they'll continue to have um, yeast overgrowth. Mm-hmm. Yeast can right. cause like a really red and angry picture inside of the gut. And so... Mm-hmm. We look for, we look to see what, if there's enough diversity of the good bacteria that helps you digest and um, absorb. And then you rep- you heal the gut with various measures. Like um, digestive enzymes are a really important one because they, they bust through the biofilm of the bad bacteria that's in the gut already, or even the bad um, microbials of all sorts. Mm-hmm. And um, they help you digest your food better so you get more nutrients absorbed. Right. Great. And then fiber, fiber, like especially prebiotic fibers are kind of like an exfoliant to the gut. If you think about how we like, like gently exfoliate our face to get rid of the debris, the gut needs that too. So it gets kind of, I think of the fibers as like, an exfoliant to the debris to set up the stage for the good bacteria to stay there. Gotcha. Let's talk about, um, as we finish up here, the what's happening in the brain and kind of how you can supplement the brain chemistry um, to help uh, um, serotonin in particular. I know that's what we've focused on today. Um, and how do you kind of look at that and how do you decide how to best help a child with the struggling with brain chemistry? There are ways to measure the neurotransmitters, which is really nice, but mm-hmm. it's, it's um, a multitude of neurotransmitters. So when we do that, we're always looking at GABA, which GABA is another feel good neurotransmitter that um, we want to make on a regular basis. But it, you make it in bursts when you do something very addictive. You make it in bursts. And because there are so many things in our society right now that can be our addictions or vices, we're bursting our GABA. And then the rest of the time you feel a little bit depleted. And same with dopamine. So dopamine is an important neurotransmitter. GABA, those are, those are um, excitatory. Like dopamine and norepinephrine and epinephrine. All these neuro- neurotransmitters are super important, but... We think of just serotonin often. Mm -hmm. So we try to test, we do tests to look for all of them. And then we balance them with various supplements that 
are known to support neurotransmitter production specifically. Like, for right. instance, we know that um, even in studies that 5-HTP works just as good, if not better, than um, than a serotonin reuptake inhibitor like Prozac right. for anxiety and depression. And then other yeah. things that support serotonin are tryptophan and tyrosine. And we have to, we have a lot of measures of how to help the brain. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. And, and I think the, the takeaway really from all of this is number one, if you are local to our area and your kid is struggling with anxiety, you know, take them to Dr. Nicole, <laughs> not that, that she, you know, counseling of course is really important and every child is different, but being able to dig down and deep into some of those root causes and be able to tangibly figure out what is that root cause on the physical level and what can we do to help our kids to get through this time that they're struggling with. It can be so empowering to the kid and to the parent. Um, but so that's number one, but also it's just so nice to know as, as parents that we do have these tools at our disposal. It's not something that we just need to hope and wish and pray will just go away that there are things that actually can be done. And and it's, it can be really empowering to try to find, um, some of these answers and to work toward a common goal with Nicole and parent and child, um, to really, really help these kids to thrive because, gosh, that's what we all want for our kids, right? We want them to thrive and to be able to um, enjoy their, their childhood and their teen years and to be able to, um, you know, move, move toward adulthood healthy and happy and whole. And so I just love that we do have so many tools at our exposure at our, and I just hope that parents will be able to take some of this and say, wow, I'd never thought about those kinds of things or no one's ever told me about any of those things. And you know, who knew that the gut had so much to do with anxiety and depression. And so um, I just want to encourage everyone to, you know, wherever you are, to be able to dig deeper and find someone that can help you dig into some of these issues on the physical level while you're also dealing with mental health professionals to try to figure out um, how to help your child from that side. So Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining me today. You're always such a, a breath of fresh air and, and, and a breadth of information as well. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And if, if our listeners have questions, if we've got any follow-up episodes that you'd like us to do, you can always send us a message. Um, you can reach us right here on the podcast. You can send a voice message. We would love to hear from you. And thank you again. Thanks for everyone for joining us today. I'll look forward to next time, Nicole. Yes, I do too. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy, Take care. Enjoy your time. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.